1: This is the John Oakley Show podcast. It is a great day for Talk Radio. Uh, as a matter of fact, have got a great hour lined up. Coming up, it's topics worthy of discussion. Our panel uh, that drills down on some of the uh, bigger news stories of the day and things that uh, we really want to understand in full context. And uh, with the perspective of David Wills, Peter Sherman, Stephen Holiday, the deputy mayor, I ask him about that pilot along King Street that is now permanent. And there are plans to extend that network. So uh, we'll see what he has to say on that. And many, many more items. Might even ask them to handicap the uh, series with the Leafs and the Bruins. By the way, uh, they're going again tomorrow night in Boston, Sunday back here, and uh, who knows, if they haven't wrapped by then, it'll be Tuesday back in Beantown. You know, I was at the game last night. You know, one of the things that frustrates, you actually uh, now feel like you're at an airport check-in lineup when you go to the uh, Scotiabank Arena. It's not that they actually... uh, put you through the whole drill but they still pat you down they got the wands you know you have to empty your pockets and so on this is to go to a sporting event and I'm thinking to myself uh you know maybe we could use some of that facial recognition technology that has now been implemented in some South Florida airports and also for cruise lines upon departure or disembarkment you actually uh they scan you quickly facilitate the whole thing and you're gone which is kind of neat Should do that at the rink. I was just thinking, though, the facial recognition technology in the bad years, uh, they might ask you to remove the paper bag off your head. Uh, Some fans, of course, having worn that in years past, uh, let's hope uh, we don't have to go back to those hoary days. However, on the facial recognition thing, I wanted to find out exactly how uh, this is going to work going forward because there are different permutations of it, and they say that this is something that uh, is really, I guess, the latest. uh, It's... What are they calling it here? Uh, I don't know. There's a certain word for it. Uh, Biometric scanning technology and things like that, that expedites your travel experience. Nobody likes waiting in line like, you know, uh, rats in a maze there at Pearson or wherever you're departing. Uh, Let's find out exactly what is on offer. David Shipley has joined us. He's Global News Radio, cybersecurity expert and technology analyst. David, good to have you back in the Oakley Show. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, So this stuff that's happening now, uh, it's only been a couple of years that it's come online in some places like at South Florida airports, I guess Lauderdale, uh, a couple of terminals in Miami International. uh, They call for frictionless arrivals. It's the next gen biometric traveler experience. How's it work exactly?
0: Biometric data is something unique to the individual, so biometrics include retinal scans, fingerprints, uh, DNA, the way that you walk, and including your face. And so the idea being using artificial intelligence technologies, being able to quickly and accurately determine your identity and confirm you are who you are, based on facial recognition. And it has a lot of potential uses and a lot of potential abuses. On the positive side, as you just mentioned, the ability to um, improve efficiency and, and help people get to where they're going faster is certainly ideal. However, uh, biometric as a way of proving identity has one flaw it's not easy to change your face so if you have a breach if that data is not properly protected um, you can end up in a lot of hurt and your identity could be stolen in a whole new way
1: well uh, back up for a second if it's uh, you know it's your face that's been identified how does that get stolen well I
0: guess I mean, I could go back and say it could be as simple as the uh, the accuracy of the sensors detecting the face and wearing a mask. Um, so not to take a page, but we'll take a page from the Mission Impossible movies. If you have your facial ID stolen and someone's able to create a, re- a reasonable re- a recreation of your face, and it doesn't have to be that perfect, just good enough to fool the cameras, you're someplace you never intended to be. Um, and depending on the use and the uh, importance of that, that identity data, um, that could get pretty sticky really quickly. And, you know, I'll give you another example of how this could be abused is um, a lot of Android devices started coming out with facial recognition to unlock your phone, similar to what the iPhone had done, but uh, not as good a technology. And the researchers were able to create 3D prints of the people's faces and unlock the phones uh, with those 3D prints. So that gives you a real-world example.
1: Wow uh, yeah because I got that on my phone but if I'm wearing glasses or something for reading and uh, or I've got a ball cap on it it won't unlock. <laughs> so, a- absolutely. Okay I- I'm, I'm just wondering what it is that they're actually reading is it the whole overall imprint of the of the face or is it just uh, you know a retinal scan here or are there certain points fixated on a grid that they read? So
0: depending on the sophisticated of the camera and the artificial intelligence algorithm, they're measuring all kinds of different data points to arrive at basically a a statistical sort of we're 100% confident or we're 95% confident, etc., that this is who we think it is. Um, And so that's how it it works. Um, When you think about the uses of this, it's not just by governments, though. And in fact, malls in Canada were caught using facial recognition software without letting people know when people were walking up to mall kiosk to look up the stores, and what they were doing there was trying to identify who was looking at what stores where, and some other malls have been using these um, a artificial intelligence and facial recognition softwares to find shoplifters and to ban them. But the problem with some of these technologies, as Amazon has discovered with their technology, is that for certain people, I'd namely identified as people of color, and for women, it's not as accurate as it should be.
1: Again, David Shipley with us, CEO of Boseron Security. He's Global News Radio cybersecurity expert and technology analyst. We're talking about facial recognition technology that would uh, help you clear customs faster. But look, if you're saying it's imperfect, uh, why would they then be implementing this stuff at the airports in Miami, for example?
0: Well, uh, that's an interesting question. Uh, I think convenience and Don't forget, too, the government is always thirsty to know who is where, when, as much as they can, and they will drink as much private data as they can uh, in the name of convenience. So I totally understand why government's willing to do it, and and they're willing to say, well, if the system's inaccurate, there are other fallback means that people can use, like their passport, etc., so don't worry about it. Um, But the New York Times and others have shown how this very same technology can be used not just in the public sector or private sector by big corporations, but even by individuals to do all kinds of creepy, stalkerish things, which is why some jurisdictions, for example, San Francisco, the city, is actually considering banning the use of facial recognition technology to prevent uh, discrimination and to prevent the uh, curtailing of civil civil liberties.
1: Well, that surfaced just this week as uh, an issue with the Canadian Civil Liberties Association and Sidewalk Labs here in Toronto in the Portlands, as much as they want to be a futuristic community, uh, some people are thinking that we're going to have to cede our privacy, or at least there's the danger of compromising your privacy because they're going to be on the cutting edge of technology, and I'm sure facial recognition technology is going to be a part of their gamut.
0: Absolutely, and this gets to the heart of why Ann Kavouki and I and others are becoming more and more opposed to the Sidewalk Lab's proposal, because what we have said is that if you're going to put cameras in public spaces where people don't have a choice to consent, whether you're capturing their face or other identifiable information, you at least have to promise, commit, and enshrine, and be held to account uh, for de-identifying that data as soon as it's generated, so that it can never be abused, and they refuse to do that despite the fact that it fully technologically possible to do so.
1: You know, I remember the uh, 2011 Stanley Cup riots in Vancouver, and uh, people were milling about in the streets, and they actually used the uh, digitalized uh faces of the individuals that were so crystal clear and then they just published them, uh, I guess, for public consumption uh, and people came came out on a snitch line and identified them. That wasn't facial recognition in the sense we're talking about, but it was just a sense that technology is getting to a point where that's one way it can be used. Now, if it had been, say, uh, this facial recognition technology, they wouldn't have had to have a snitch line. They might have already had a data bank saying who this individual was just by identifying their face that way. Could that be possible?
0: That's exactly- Exactly possible. In fact, it's not just possible, it's exactly what China is doing. And in fact, they're monitoring 500,000 minority Muslims in a city that's become a virtual prison thanks to pervasive surveillance technology and facial recognition. They know everywhere people go. And more broadly in Chinese society, all of this data is being gathered and used. And depending on your social credit score within that uh, society, where you can go. So, for example, when we talk about facial recognition making it faster to get on your plane, it can also be used to make sure you don't get on a plane. So these are the questions we need to be asking as a society, how powerful, who gets to control it, and what happens when it's wrong.
1: Right. And then you go into the shopping mall and they identify you as being, uh, you know, of X amount of wealth and so on and so on. So they give you the lobster hors d'oeuvres and things like that and shepherd you to the high-end section of the mall. I can see that happening. I mean, uh, we're all just lab rats of a fashion. Is there uh, an upside, though, that, uh, again, it's expediting things at the airport? I mean, we hate waiting three hours, you know, to get to uh, wherever it is we're trying to fly to in the States or internationally. Uh, I would think that maybe that's a trade-off Might some people might be willing to accept.
0: Yeah, and I think I think there's a role for reasonable government use for public safety, uh, with proper controls, thorough oversight, and accountability. Uh, I have very big concerns about private sector use of this technology and how that needs to be dealt with. I mean, we can't even hold them accountable for data breaches of far less damaging data, let alone biometric data. So until we get our house in order there, I, I really don't um, support private sector usage of this and public individual use of this data. Um, But we're just not having these conversations. We just rush and we put the things in because they're cool and we see the conveniences without really thinking about the consequences.
1: All right. Uh, Well, we're being forewarned here as we talk about this. Had Ann I on the other day. And, David, uh, thanks for bringing us up to date on concerns that we ought to uh, at least entertain here despite the convenience that it represents. Appreciate your time as always the opportunity you got it david shipley is the ceo of Boseron security global news radio cyber security expert and technology analyst thanks for listening to the john oakley show podcast be sure to rate review and subscribe for free at apple podcasts google podcasts and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio